Welcome, welcome, welcome. We start a brand new series today, and that series is I Have Questions and God Has Answers. I have questions and God has answers. And I don't care if you've walked with God your whole life. You still have some questions. And it's just great to know that God has answers. Well, where do you go for your answers? Do you go to your friends? Do you go to Facebook? Do you go to the government? Do you go to your teachers? Where do you go? I just want you to know that where I usually go is I get my helpline and I call them up on the phone just like that. I go to YouTube, right? If I need to know how, I was, I was talking about this. Um, I was wiring a four-way switch. I got confused on how it gets together. It would operate two different ways. It wouldn't operate the third way. So I got onto YouTube and I camped out on YouTube until all the connections were made just like that. And lo and behold, when it was all done, it worked. But sometimes, you know, life is more complicated. The questions and the problems are more complicated than what YouTube can answer. So I just want to give you assurance about one thing. You've come to the right place today. Because we're here today. We don't have to fix electrical problems back home. God wants to fix what's broken inside of us. God wants to remake us and rewire us in this relationship with him. And we have questions in our heart and God has answers for us. And that is just an amazing thing. So uh, today, just a, a quick preview of the question that we're going to tackle today is this question, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? Isn't that a great question? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the first thing that I want to do is spend a little bit more time in introduction. You know, Virginia and I are super thrilled to be here with you, to be part of this church family for such a time as this. And we are grateful to be able to hear your God stories and get to know you and kind of see what God has been doing and then just kind of believe, let the groundswell build for what God wants to do and wants to accomplish in and through the Four Points Church. Because I believe it is something special and spectacular. But we've got to introduce ourselves a little bit more to you because it's important who is sharing the gospel with you. And I want to let you know that I'm not a guy that grew up in church and has always been saved. I was radically lost, so I radically got found by Jesus. And when I came to faith in him, it was during, at the end of our first year of marriage, and both Virginia and I came to Christ within two months of each other, and being found by Christ, and then beginning that journey is just something that literally changed the full trajectory of our lives. We were going this way, and then it was an about face, and we began to go in a direction that was God's direction. And so we want to do a little bit of reveal over the next couple of weeks as we roll through this series, just kind of let you know who we are. We are people of faith because we have been transformed by faith in Jesus. It's, there's, there's no other reason that we have been transformed, just the power of 
of Jesus Christ operating in a life and changing us from the inside out. Lots to share with you on that. But I wanted to just let you know that uh, me, personally, growing up, I came from a big family, came from a Catholic family, Irish Catholic family, lots of kids. Back in those days, it was a lot, six kids. So there was four boys, two girls, and the girls bookended the boys. So oldest girl, four boys, girl. And those four boys were within six years of each other. So I know what you're thinking. Just how much trouble can four boys get into? I'll tell you, it was a lot. <laughs> and I would say this, it wasn't really, really bad trouble. But we were getting the attention of important people in our lives. Let's just say, I call it kind of unsupervised activity. We were highly unsupervised as kids. Um, because the part I didn't tell you is my father walked out when I was 11 and left my mom to raise these six kids by herself. So she would go to work. And then in the evening, she would come home having received phone calls from Teachers, mm -hmm. neighbors, the police, and she would line up us four boys. We'd step up to the line, and that finger, this finger right here would be, doon, doon. it's like, who in my household shattered Mr. O'Brien's plate glass window? Did someone in this household shoot Scoop Tanner? He was our neighbor. Uh, let me go on. Shoot Scoop Tanner's dog. Let me go on. With a BB gun. <laughs> it, it got a little better, right? It's like, and we would be. It was my next younger brother. Oh, my. And I'll tell you what. We, we started to employ a phrase at that point in time that my mama hated. But this is what we began to tell mom. It was, mom, never ask a question you really don't want to know the answer to. Oh, boy, she would get hot. And it was right about then that the beatings would begin. Because my mama did not spare the rod, and she did not spoil the child. She took out the belt, and we got the belt. And I'm a better man for it. Well, sometimes the things that we face in life are more serious than, than broken glass and broken bones, trips to the ER. And that's where our relationship with God comes in. We have questions of the heart. We have questions of real life. And God wants to come into our space and he wants to correct things in us. He wants to remake things in us. He wants to work through the circumstances that we're encountering. And the heartbreak, the highs, the lows. And he wants to answer the questions that are on our heart. And so today the question that we want to tackle is this question. What does God want from me? What does he want from me? Can you, can you ask that question in your own chair there? It's like, God, what do you want from me? 
Sometimes it's like, yes, God, I'm here raising my hand, just like when we're in worship and everything is going great in worship. We raise our hands. We say, yes, fill me up, Lord. Do all those great things. But sometimes we're in the quietness of our own broken lives. And we're like, God, what do you want from me? What do you expect from me? What do you want from me? And sometimes it's a cry of desperation. And I want you to know that God wants one thing from you, faith. He wants just one thing from you, and that is your faith. You say it's a lot more complicated than that, Rob. It's like, nope, it's no more complicated than God wants one thing from you, and that is your faith. God doesn't want 10 things from you, like the Ten Commandments. Just keep the Ten Commandments, and it'll be fine. God doesn't want 100 things from you, like the top 100 hits, the best things Jesus ever said, and you pick whichever one is the highlight for the week. Nope, God doesn't want that from you. God doesn't want 613 things from you, which is generally the agreed-upon number of Old Testament laws that there were. By the way, most of those were do-nots. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Wouldn't it be awful if our relationship with God was just a bunch of do-nots? But God wants one thing from you, and that is your faith. This one, yeah, I think we're doing all right. I think we're doing all right, all right. He wants that faith to be in Jesus Christ. Well, that's the simple part, right? Uh, Faith, he wants faith from me. Great, got it, Lord. Well, what does that look like? When somebody asks you, what is faith? What does your faith look like? Isn't that a harder question to answer? And so we have to sometimes define things by the things that are around them. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we're trying to define what light and darkness are. And you have to define one by the absence of the other, or you have to look at something that is the opposite of what you're trying to describe to get to a definition. And God knows that faith is hard to define So he gave us some things in the word, but there's also some things that we just have to kind of fill in. And that is, what are the effects of faith in your life? It's like the wind when Jesus was talking about the spirit. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. But from time to time, you're going to see the effects of the wind moving through the trees. And you can't see it, but it's there and you know that it's there. Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we have a biblical, I would say it's a start of a definition. It's more of a description. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So there's a confidence in what we hope for. We don't have it yet. We're reaching out for it. And there's an assurance about what we do not see. So we can't see God. And yet we have faith in him, Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, we love. We love him. And our faith is in him, and our faith is in one that we can't see. 
I learned this one when I was early on in the faith, and it was just, you know, you do different things that help your memory, and this is an acronym, and you see faith spelled in this direction, but forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. That means hang it on everything else that I ever thought or believed. I'm going to trust him based on things I can see and things that I can't see. I don't know if that's helpful to you or not. But what does God want from us? What does he want from us? He wants faith from us. Faith in him. And that faith is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that in the course of this message. But the coolest thing about faith that I think is that if, if I was going to just give you the message in a nutshell, God wants you to have it. He wants you to use it, and he wants it to do what it's supposed to do in your life. How about that? So that's what this faith in Jesus Christ, that's what he wants to have happen. He wants you to have it. He wants you to use it, and he wants this faith to do what it's supposed to do in your life because that would be pretty awful if we had it, didn't use it, and it was accomplishing nothing in our lives. Just the opposite of that is what God wants for us. So I want to talk about faith in three different ways. The first is a saving faith. And Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Do you know that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we cross over from death to life, we were once not a part of God's family, and now we are a part of God's family by faith. We were lost, now we are found. We were guilty of all of our sin, and now we are forgiven because Jesus paid the penalty for that sin on the cross. And that through the exercising of our faith, we are saved. It's not something that we attain to. It's a gift that God gives to us. And that grace gift means that it's an unmerited favor that he bestows on us. Unmerited, didn't deserve it, nothing we could do to earn it. But we do have to exercise our faith, the gift is activated through our faith. So what's another definition for our faith? Maybe it's, it's like supercharged belief. I'm believing with all that is in me, everything that is in me, believing what God has said about himself, about me as a person, about the way to be saved. And when we exercise faith in this manner, we can refer to that as a saving faith. It'd be awful to have a faith that was down here, kind of faith in nothing faith, but this is a faith in Jesus' faith, a faith that saves us. The next kind is a God-pleasing faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11:6, the first part of that verse. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I want you to think for a second about that. Just turn that verse around. With faith, that's how we please God. With faith, it's possible to please God. And so a God-pleasing faith works like this. You're never going to get saved by the things that you do, but do you realize that God has saved you to do good works? It's two verses after that, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. When you read verse 10 there, we've been saved uh, not or by grace, not of works, but through our faith, so that no one can boast. And then verse 10, for good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. There's things that we can do that actually please God. I want to use this illustration um, with our kids. When our kids did what pleased us, I was like, yeah, I'm your dad. I'm your dad. Mm -hmm. And when they did something wrong, I'd look at my wife and say, those are your kids. What, what's going on with your kids? <laughs> but no, 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 that would be patent. It should be the other way around, right? The bad things they did was really probably me and not her. But in Christ, God never abandons us. God never says, that's not my kid. Now, he, we may disappoint him from time to time. We may do things that are outside of his will. We may grieve him from time to time, but he doesn't abandon us. He picks us up, dirt and all, brushes us off and says, hey, child, you're mine. And there's nothing that you could ever do to walk away from me and my love. Because my love is a different kind of love. It's a God love. And we put our faith in Jesus. We become his eternally. But now we can live a life that is pleasing to God. We can do things that actually please him and make him happy, just like your kids. Or if you are a kid, you can do things that make your parents happy. And isn't it funny how life goes so much better when we live that way? Well, that is a God-pleasing faith. It applies to your faith, and it describes faith in a way. There's also a God-guiding faith. And here it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Indeed, we walk by faith and not by sight. In this relationship, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I liken it to this, that God has given us his word and his word is true no matter what. And sometimes we're in an area of the fog. We can't see well. We can't pilot our way through. This is one of four ships that I served on in the Coast Guard. And if you saw this ship, I would be right up here driving the ship and piloting the ship. And very, very often we did that in low visibility. And when that was the case, I would have my head parked right inside the radar scope. And we would navigate by our senses, by our guidance system. And so God's word is our guidance system. We get into this God-guiding faith. And that means that what we do is we hear what God has said in his word. 
We look for what God has said in his word. At times, we lack wisdom. We need it. We go to God's word for it. And our faith is manifested because we are asking God to speak into our circumstances. And that becomes a God guiding faith. So faith, how do you describe it? Faith, how would you tell someone who doesn't know anything about it? How would you tell them about it? Well, you could tell them about the saving faith. You could tell them about a God-pleasing faith. And you could tell them about a God-guiding faith. And you could help answer the question for them, what does God want from me? And that's your personal faith in Jesus Christ. It's complicated, yes, but it's very simple also. God has made the complex very, very simple. And on your journey, I don't know where you are. Sometimes when you go to the park and there's a kiosk, you can see a little sign on there and it says, you are here. Some of us don't even know where we are at the moment. But you know, from God's perspective, that first level of faith is the most important and that's the one that he wants to make sure every single one of us enters into. He wants a relationship with you and with me by faith in him because of the things that he has done for us to make a way for us. And he doesn't want there to be anything in the way. So today, in fact, right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you have not walked through the door of the invitation to faith in Jesus. I want to walk you through just a, a prayer on how you can take that step right now. Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me? And God, we understand that you stand at the door of our hearts that you knock and that you are ready to enter in, into our hearts. You are ready to receive us. You are ready to forgive us. You are ready to heal the brokenness that is inside of us. And you make a way for us that is not temporary. It's an eternal way, an eternal place in your home. And so, God, I, in the best way that I know how, I ask you to come in and be my Lord, be my Savior, be the one who can make the crooked places straight in my life. And if you prayed that prayer, then know this, that God has entered into your heart. Jesus has entered into your heart. The Holy Spirit is alive in you now. And you have crossed over from death to life. And you are alive forevermore. And if that's you today, then I want you to do two things. And the first is tell somebody that you trust, that you have made this decision. 
The second is tell me or tell one of our staff team because there's important things that you need to do next. And as a matter of faith, survival, if you don't do them soon and you wait too long, it'll just seem like nothing really happened. So it's important for you to take that next step in your walk with God. And maybe today you've already made that decision, but you've been living a life that is independent from God. And it's a quick turn for you to exercise God-pleasing faith. And that is to include God in the big, in the small, and to invite him in to be part of your everyday life moment by moment by moment. And maybe that's your challenge this week. Maybe what you need today is guiding faith, God guiding faith. You need to understand what he has said in his word, how it applies to your life. And you need to seek him for wisdom on how to live. What does God want for me? Personal faith in Jesus Christ. He wants you to have it. He wants you to use it. And he wants it to do what it's supposed to do in your life. Let's draw near to him.